like you said, my name is Wade Aaron. I'm part of the Revive Texas team. Uh, I live in Dallas. But hey, I'm going to share today, I'm going to challenge you really in the heart of evangelism and sh- reaching the lost. And when you think about reaching the lost and sharing the lost and, or sharing the gospel to the lost, how many of you guys get nervous when it comes around the topic of evangelism? Anybody? It's okay if you do. Don't be afraid to raise your hand. Uh, statistics show that most people do get scared. They, get a, they have a fear. They have an intimidation. They don't know what to say. And there's so many things around evangelism that people get nervous about. Uh, and statistics show that people at the end of the day, uh, even a recent, recent stat I read a couple of days ago was uh, that about 55% of uh, people have not shared the gospel with anyone in the last six months. Uh, and then it just continues from there. And and then even stats show that people are not leading people to the Lord. But I believe there's many reasons why. I don't think there's one reason. Uh, and so I'm going to try to encourage you and challenge you in that. Uh, but before we do, I, I did introduce myself briefly. Uh, my wife's not here, uh, but she lives. we both live in Dallas. Uh, we've been married for about six years. Uh, she, uh, we go to a church called the Upper Room in Dallas, and she's going to be painting tonight. So she's getting set up for that tonight. So that's where she's at. She's just trying to get her heart and mind right before she paints. She's an amazing artist uh, and very talented, but she's not here, uh, but she would like to be here. But that being said is uh, we live in Dallas, and we have a real heart to reach people around us uh, and to see the gospel go forth. And something about my wife and something about our family, and this is where we're going to start off the service with today, is, and uh, we'll go from there. But my brother-in-law and a lot of my in-laws don't know the Lord. And for the last three years specifically, I've had a photo of my brother-in-law on my phone. Do you know how awkward that is when you have a photo of your brother-in-law on your phone? You have a photo of some random guy with tattoos all of his body, and and it's like people are like, you know, you pull out your phone, and someone's like, what's that on your phone? Well, that's my (laughs) brother-in-law. And... uh, and so if it's a believer, I get them to pray for him. I've probably even got unbelievers to pray for him. And for the last six years since we've been married, and even before we married, we were praying for him, and we're praying for other family members, but the Lord targeted him. And when we started, when we got married, he was about 110 pounds. He was on serious drugs. Uh, and then ultimately he moved to California, then he moved to Arizona, then he moved to uh, Missouri. And next thing you know, he's, he's living in our backyard in Frisco, Texas. And I told my wife, I said, this is, this is God. God has literally brought him around the country to live in our backyard. And we were praying for him. I've literally had rooms full of people like this here in the States. I've had people in Africa. I've had people in uh, Cuba, all over the world praying for him. And then also challenged people to pray for their own family members, friends, coworkers that don't know the Lord. And about a month ago now, he started to have some serious conversations about Christ Fast story of the fast version of the story is ultimately he, he reached out to me and he says, Hey, where do I start? And I said, What do you mean? He, I said, You need to surrender your life to Christ. Uh, he goes, Well, man, I, this book's really big. He said, I don't know where to begin. Come to find out the night before when he was home by himself, he got to a breaking point and cried out to God and said, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. And did you know when you're praying for someone for a long time, you can become like those in the story with Peter when they're praying for Peter to be released and Peter's knocking on your door. You know what? Initially, you're in doubt. You're like, let's see how long this is going to last. How many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, people made that comment? (laughs) How long is this fire going to last? Let's see how this lasts. And so here's what I just want us to do when we kick off service as I dive into the message. 
How many of you in this room know somebody that don't know the Lord? Someone that's burdened your heart. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. I just want us to kick off this time of service just for a few, maybe it's a minute. It doesn't have to be long. Here's the thing. When you're praying for someone, and maybe you've been praying for, for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, sometimes you feel like you have to pray these long prayers. But you know what? What I've come to realize is that when you just pray these simple prayers, Jesus, we declare their salvation today. God hears those prayers. And sometimes you might be the only person in that life that's interceding for this person. I don't think we realize that all the time. That coworker that's giving you hell every day at work, you might be the only person that's interceding for them. You're the only Christian that God's placed into the world, but God's saying, I need you to intercede on their behalf and put them before my throne and say that my blood is worth their lives. Sometimes a simple prayer is a simple prayer, and I even challenge you with this. Put, put that awkward family member or friend or coworker on your screensaver. Because it does remind you to pray. Because here's the thing. When you pray for someone for a long time, you can forget. You pray for them for a season and you forget. But when they're on your phone, you can't forget. And when you feel weak to pray, you get others to help pray for you. And so that's a practical thing is putting those people on your screensaver and, and pray and overcome the awkwardness. Because the thing is, is that eternity is at stake. And it says that God has put eternity into the hearts of men. And I believe that God wants every person eternally to know him. And we can be a part of that piece today. And so let's jump into this. Everyone have at least one, maybe two people you want to pray for. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to, if you want to grab somebody's hand next to you, whatever you feel led to do, I just want you to begin to pray for those people. Just agree together that today is the day of salvation. So we plead your blood over their lives, God. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for salvation coming to our families today. I pray for every person in this room today, God, that their family members get touched with you, God. That today, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, coworkers, coming to know you, God. Today, in Jesus' name, amen. Just those simple things, I believe that God, God hears, God responds, God is using and don't grow weary. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary, for in due time you will reap a harvest. If you think about Abraham, Abraham waited for a promise for 25 years. Some of you, you have family members or friends that there's a promise awaiting. Just don't grow weary. Uh, uh, you know, right now we're living some crazy days. Anyone else agree with me on that? But I want you to know in the midst of craziness, God's moving. Uh, I just got back. We were in uh, West Texas in a little city, and in that city, it's a city of about 10,000, and we went eight days as a ministry, the ministry Revive Texas, Time to Revive, and I just want to, before I jump into the message, I want to encourage you with good news. How many of you guys need to hear some good news? <laughs> because here's the thing, you can all you can do is watch the news and be weighed down with bad news, and all of a sudden, you jump into this political scene, and your whole spirit and your soul's I, at an unease. It's just like, I'm not in a good place. Anybody ever been in that place where you're just like, I shouldn't have watched that today? But you want to hear this today because God's doing things. And so we were in this city, and in this city, it's a little town. And what we've seen is sometimes God opens up doors, and we were able to preach the gospel in seventh and eighth period athletics. Hundreds of students sitting in seventh and eighth period. How many of you, when you would walk into seventh and eighth period athletics, and all of a sudden you have someone that's going to present the gospel that you'd be stunned by what's about to happen? Instead of athletics today, you're going to hear the gospel from, from me, this random guy with a beard. And every student that comes into the athletic period gets a bracelet, they get a Bible, they hear the gospel, 
And I don't know how many students we saw in those few days, but over the course of this time that we were there, in eight days in this little city, we saw almost 200 people give their lives to the Lord and 51 people baptized. You know, that's not news that they, they put up on the news report. Uh, that same week, we jumped into a, a, an area that's just filtrated with drugs. It's an apartment complex. It's just chaos. And we put up a, we passed out flyers and said, hey, we're going to host a concert in your community. And we didn't give out food because of COVID restrictions and different things. We set up, we had a concert. And that night alone, in that apartment complex, we saw 20 people give their lives to the Lord and 15 people get baptized. And uh, because... What you need to know is that your soul and your heart needs to be refreshed by what God's doing. You need to know that, yes, that there is bad news and there are some serious things going on, but God is at work. Uh, early on, even as I continue with this of quick testimonies, is early on before we really knew what was going on in the riots, before the news was pro- putting what was going on, me and a couple of friends were, were kind of crazy, uh, and we actually went into the riots to preach the gospel. And to be honest, I get it. Not every believer is going to go into the riots and preach the gospel. Nor are you called to do that. I personally don't believe every believer is called to preach the gospel in a riot. So don't feel like I'm going to put that on you. (laughs) But I am going to challenge you today that every believer is to be a witness wherever they're at. But I tell you this testimony because we went into it. To be honest, like I said, we didn't know what was going on. The news wasn't recording it at the time. We get out there. It's just chaos. People are throwing things. People are breaking mirrors. The police are shooting at you. It's just they don't have actual guns. It's rubber bullets. And to be honest, when you're in a a scene like that, you're like, what am I doing out here? (laughs) And in the midst of it, we saw God moving in power. There's specifically a guy that I remember ministering to that night. And we had just run as fast. I've never ran so fast in my life. The police, they don't know we're out there ministering. They're shooting rubber bullets at us. And after we get through running as fast as we can, there's a guy standing next to me, and he's got five whelps on his arm because he got hit five times by rubber bullets. I said, hey, man, what's going on with your arm? He said, man, I got hit five times. I'm getting out of here. I'm in pain. I said, man, let me pray for you. Jesus' mercy is greater than that. I prayed for him three times. After the third time, all of the whelps disappeared on his arm. I shared the gospel with him. I processed things with his girlfriend. They didn't give their lives to the Lord, but I guarantee they're going to go back to that night. There was a seed planted in their hearts. They're going to go wake up the next morning. Here we are several months later, and who knows what they're thinking about. He probably woke up the next morning thinking, my gosh, what was that? Was that some sort of angel? What was that? And it's just simply reaching out to people and believing God's power because what I saw actually that night was in the midst of deep darkness, God's mercy was at work because that was one of many individuals that got touched that night. But like I said, I'll tell you these stories to start off because I want you to know that God is at work. And so uh, here's what I believe when it comes down to uh, evangelism. One thing is is that sometimes people aren't sharing the gospel because I believe that they don't realize fully who they are in Christ. Uh, if you have Proverbs 28.1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm going to reference about four or five verses uh, and give you a few points here. But Proverbs 28.1 is a verse uh, that is an anchor verse for me when it comes down to, to reaching out, praying for people. And Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. I'll read that again, slash quote it. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee. 
flee, though no one pursues. Uh, 2 Corinthians actually says we're the righteousness of Christ. Because we're the righteousness of Christ, we can draw near to God. But because we can also draw near to God, we can, we can now walk confidently everywhere we go. When all of a sudden you feel near, nervous or you feel fearful, you don't want to talk some, to someone, you need to remind yourself the righteous are, are what? They're as bold as a lion. Because here's what I've done is I've worked and I've walked with people. Some people, we've gotten so caught up in our personality that we can't share the gospel. We can't, we can't speak to someone. Someone says, well, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Well, you're an extrovert, so you talk to people. I'm an introvert. I don't do that. But here's the thing. If we get around truth, and the truth is the righteous are as bold as a lion, no matter what your personality is, you're going to be bold. Your boldness is going to look different than mine. But it still can be a boldness. Yours might be a little more of a gentle boldness. Mine might be a little more abrasive. But you know what? The thing is, is that we can all be bold. And so realize the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so I'm going to play another quick video to encourage you uh, of what boldness can look like. But once again, I want you to know every, some of these testimonies and things that I'm about to show you is to challenge and to encourage you of what it looks like. Because if I can do this, what you're about to see, you can stop for the one. So if we can play that video real quick. When I was a really angry guy about 14 years ago, Jesus showed me that he loved me, and he sent my world, and I said, Jesus, I'm going to live for you from this day forward. Hey, Martha, have you ever heard a story like that or something similar? Yes, sir, I sure do. Before I met Jesus, I was angry. I had unforgiveness in my heart. I was miserable, but I accepted Jesus in my heart, and he healed my heart. He gave me joy, and he gave me peace. Jason, do you have a testimony like that? I do. There was a time in my life when I was empty and I was always trying to seek approval from everybody. I wanted everybody to like me. And then nothing ever satisfied. And then one day I met Jesus and I gave him my heart. And from then I've been filled with joy and peace. Matt, do you have a story like that? Yeah, I do. There was a time in my life. I was 18 years old and I didn't believe God existed. I was getting drunk every day. I was on, hair, I was on marijuana all the time. Hey, two and a half years ago, Jesus changed my life. He asked me a question. He said, hey, Matt, is the man that you're becoming who you want to be for the rest of your life? And he showed me he was real. Ever since that moment, I've had peace, I've had joy, and I know who I am. Yeah. Come on. fun video. So that was a Whataburger, and we just took over the Whataburger, and uh, that's the second time we've done something like that. I actually took over an airplane one time, uh, and random people actually started sharing up that we didn't even know started sharing their testimonies on an airplane. Wouldn't you think that'd be wild? You're on an airplane ride, and people start doing that. But you know what? Ultimately, even in that scenario, someone came up to us afterwards and says, I want to know more about what you're talking about. And we were able to lead them to the Lord. But you know, the thing is, is that when you see that, and I've heard this even in the last week or so, when people see that, you know what you see? You see boldness. You see courage where you're like, man, that is bold. That is, that is wild. And the thing is, is that you are made to be bold. 
And here's the thing. If you take a look in Acts 4, here's another reference of what it looks like. And so first point, the first thing I want you to realize is that you're all righteous. You're all what? You're all righteous. Number two is I believe in Acts 4.13 is another good reference point for walking in boldness. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. So they realized that they were untrained, uneducated men. They realized they were bold, but they also had been what? They had been with who? They had been with Jesus. How many of you guys, obviously, may, you, you, don't, you have not seen Jesus in the flesh, but you spend time with Christ. You spend time with God. I believe one of the greatest fruits of spending time with God is that you should walk in a boldness. You see it right here. It says, because they had been with Jesus, they were bold. But I, I've been around a, somewhat of the charismatic world for the last several years now, and there's a lot of people that are sitting in God's presence, spending times and hours in worship, and then they walk outside their four walls, they, out, they walk outside of their place of prayer, and they go into the world, and they, they have absolutely no boldness. And so my question is, is if you're spending time with Jesus, and yet you have no boldness into the world, my challenge is, is who are you spending time with? Because it says, because they had been with Jesus, I'm just referencing the word and what they saw with the apostles. Because they were with Jesus, they had boldness. I encourage you, if you're spending time with Jesus, and if you don't spend time with Jesus, just let him love on you and spend time with him. But the thing is, is that spend time with him and carry a boldness with you everywhere you go. But it, the thing is, is that sometimes people aren't spending time with him. They come to church maybe today on Sunday, and that's another message I'm sure you guys probably teach around here, spending time sitting in God's presence when you're at home and living that lifestyle. But when you're doing that and you're home alone, I encourage you to allow him to, to, to see him and so that the world can see boldness. And I want you to know we're all in this together because I didn't just wake up one day and there's always these moments where I don't step in. I don't step into this every moment. There are times when I feel led to speak to somebody. And you know what? I live, I live according to my central pleasure. And I say, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm not going to take that step of faith right now. I don't know it every time. I just want you to know that. But there are a lot of times where I follow his leading and it just gets crazy. God shows up. But I just wanted you to know that I'm sharing these testimonies, but there also are times where I just go home instead of talking to the lady at the cash register. There are times when I don't pray for the person. But you know what? What I do is when I don't do that, what I try to do is I ask myself, and I say, okay, Lord, what was, what was off? And, what, and here's what I do. I do exactly what we read. I go and spend time with Jesus, and I say, Jesus, help me. I need your help because I missed an opportunity. I need your help. I don't just try to show God that I can do it in the future. I just go sit with him and say, God, help me. And so if you've realized there's opportunities you've missed or something, I actually know of a pastor that he, got, he weighed, carried the weight of disobedience of not reaching out to a girl that he was supposed to reach out to so much that he actually left ministry. He carried the weight of it so much. So if you feel like you missed an opportunity, give it to God and say, God, help me so I don't miss an opportunity. You've got to continue to come to him no matter what. And so we're all walking in this together. And so number two is spend time with him. Acts 4.19, 
uh, is we're just stay. We're going to continue here in Acts four. It says, "But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge." Verse twenty. It says, "For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard." Uh, a lot of times when it comes to reaching out to people, a lot of times people have fear. There's the fear of man. There's the fear of rejection. There's the fear of, of offending somebody. I would say for me, one of the greatest things I fear is a fear of offending somebody, a fear of offending my brother, someone that's with me, someone that uh, I'm close with because all of a sudden I'm going to step out. But here's something I realize is, yes, I'm challenging you to share the gospel and reach out and pray for people, but I'm also going to challenge you just to simply love people that are around you. Because it says, for God's love, love cast out fear. And the thing is, in 1 Corinthians, it says, love never fails. And so if all else fails, if I'm going out and I'm approaching people, if my motive is love, I can't lose. I walk in this place of I'm going to share the gospel, but the reason I'm sharing the gospel is because I love them. The reason I'm going to pray for healing is because I love them. And the whole reason I'm doing it is because my motive is to love. It's not to try to get a testimony. It's not to see God to do this. No, I love this person, though I don't know them, but God knows them, and I want to have God's heart. I'm going to express love to the world around me. And so if I keep my mode of love, it casts out fear. So I can live like they did in their Acts 4.19, where all of a sudden it's saying, you can't do this. You can't share. You can't pray. You can't talk. I've, I actually used to be a math teacher. That was my background. And when I was a math teacher, there was a lot of people, I almost lost my job for praying and sharing the gospel. And they said, Mr. Aaron, you can't keep doing this. But here's the thing, is I kept finding ways to do it, and they wouldn't let me go because God had did what he did with Daniel. It says there was no flaw with him besides what he was doing with God. I was doing my job with excellence. If you read the story of Daniel, Daniel's life was such a way that, that they, they could not find any flaw, but they said we can find a flaw with him in his religion. And that's exactly what they did with me. And if you're in the marketplace, I guarantee a coworker, a boss, have said, you can't do that. And what we say in America is saying we're not being persecuted is because we're not opening our mouths. We're not stopping for people in our jobs. We're just, we're just bowing to the, to the gods of our age. If we continue to bow to the gods of our age, the world will continue to perish. And when I was a teacher, I said, I'm not bowing to the God of this age. I'm going to bow to the king of kings. And those that I work with are what is important to me. And they're important to God. And if they say I can't do it this way, I'm just going to find a different way to do it. And the way that looked for me in the education system is it said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I just lay my hands. And I said, tell me how you feel in a few minutes. By my last year, I had so much favor with the nurse. The nurse let me come into the nurse's office, pray for students that were in the nurse's office. This is no joke. I old me got promoted after I almost got fired. It was just chaos. We ended up having a worship night on campus in a public school system with teachers. We saw a prayer group happen on campus with teachers. And a lot of that wasn't even my ideas. It was just teachers coming and saying, Mr. Aaron, we know that you prayed for every teacher on this campus. I saw students walk into my class with a boot on their foot, walk out without it, and go home. But you know why? It's because I just simply realized that my, my, I, had, I was living for an audience of one. And I didn't wake up one day just with this. Like I said, I, it's a gradual build. It's simple, small steps. And it's saying, God, help me and take this one step. God, help me take this step. Help me take this step. And next thing you know, you're taking these really wild and radical steps, and you're like, man, I am, I am becoming more and more aware of God more than my boss. 
And that's the way they lived right here. That's why they were persecuted. And that's why the church grew the way the church did. And I'm asking you to live with the fear of God more than the fear of man. When you fear God more than you fear man, you take steps that are just radical, and you'll see that there is persecution in America. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Just take those steps, and I'll end with this, and this is the way we'll end. Is uh, Acts 4, 29 through 31. It says, so after they were being persecuted and they were challenged, it goes along with spending time with Jesus, but it's this place of prayer. So number one, it's just recognizing that we're righteous. Number two, spending time with God. Number three, fearing God more than fearing man. And number four is coming to God and asking you, asking him to fill you. Asking him to fill you. And so Acts 4, uh, verse 20, uh, 29, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with boldness that we may speak your word. So here, here, what was their prayer? And grant your servants that we with all what? All boldness, that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. After they were getting pushed back, they came to God and said, God, look upon their threats. God, we need your help. We need you to fill us with your spirit. We need you to fill us to the point that we are declaring your word with boldness. May signs and wonders be done through our hands in power. How many of you guys want to see God function in your life in power? I believe the biggest thing as I've seen is that the way you see that power functions through your life is you have to take a step of faith to pray for someone. You have to see the person in the wheelchair. You put your hands on them. And you pray for them and see what happens. I've seen tumors disappear outside of restaurants. But you know how I saw a tumor disappear outside of a restaurant? I laid my hands. Be confident more in God than in yourself. But also, this is a simple prayer. I trained this yesterday. Is take this into your prayer life. Fill me with boldness so that signs and wonders may be done through my hands. And so uh, number four is just simply this place of prayer. And as we close, there's some of you that as I'm speaking, you're, one, maybe being challenged. Some of you possibly could be offended. You're like, yeah, right. I'm not doing that. But here's also I know is that some of you are actually crippled by fear. It says in 2 Timothy, it talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what that means is fear is not only a mindset, but fear is a spirit. There are people in this room, you actually have such a spirit of fear, it may even took courage to come to church today. It may take courage to go to work. And so when all of a sudden I say that you need to reach out to a family member or talk to somebody about the gospel, you're going, my gosh, I can't even talk to my own friends. It's because you're crippled by a spirit of fear. But there's some of you who are saying, man, I need boldness. I need God to fill me with boldness. I just want us to lead us into this, this prayer of Acts 4. Because my desire is to see Tyler filled with people that are proclaiming his name and living in boldness. 
and such a courage. But here's the thing. If some of you need freedom, you know in your heart, I've got a spirit of fear. or I just want you to cry out, Lord, fill me with boldness. Fill me with boldness, God, and that signs and wonders work through my life. Jesus, help me where I've, I've missed the opportunities. I thank you for your grace for a new day. I want to see you so I can be a witness for you. Jesus, help me to understand my righteousness that you've given me. Help me where I've feared man more than I feared you. Break that off my life. Open up doors, God, for the gospel. Open up doors and I take those opportunities for you, God. Help me not to be lazy. Help me not to be lazy to reach my neighbors. Help me not to be uh, lazy to talk to the cash register. Help me not to be about my own business, but about your business, God. When I'm, I'm in the marketplace, I'm in my job, I'm making sales. Jesus, help me. Give me confidence in you, not my abilities or what I've done in my past, but what you're doing today. Jesus, help me.